Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to our podcast, Life After The Letters. I'm Amelie. And I'm Suba. We're friends that met whilst working our first shifts as junior doctors. And we're here to talk about the stories and challenges that we face every day. Hello, hello. Hey, everyone. You can hear the heat in our voices because it's so boiling right yeah, now. I actually... literally can't even move from the position I'm in right now. What about yeah. you, Suba? I feel like so many parts of my body are sweating simultaneously. And including that top lip <laughs> <laughs> most of all the top lip i'm joking i'm joking but the weather's been gorgeous in london particularly so my friend came down from manchester to london and mm. she was saying how hot it is in london so it was like even more clarification more. that we live in a isolated you know what utopia is? of heat in london it's right now throwback to geography days about like how urban areas are a lot hotter because the tarmac like retains the heat or something oh, really? and then like reflects it. But then it. Manchester's also definitely it was an urban to, area. I think it's something to do with like the pollution as well. So the pollution <laughs> creates like this insulation and then the heat just bounces between the tarmac and the pollution. It's just like... So we're kind of just... Extra, so we're really. trapped in like a heat bubble. Of smog. Yeah. Great word. Great yeah, word. there we go. That's the that's So actually. we've been asking our listeners... Yes. Um, and the people who follow us on Instagram to contribute to this week's episode, which I'm so excited to do. Thoughts, do you want yeah. to introduce it? Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about top tips for F1s and like our reflections on advice that we wish that we'd received or what you would tell yourself if you could go back in time. Yep. Um, and answering some specific questions that have been thrown in by some of you guys out there. Um, so yeah, really exciting episode and also really nostalgic as we come to the end of totally. our foundation I years. I think I've become... I've become really reflective over the past couple of weeks just about what F1, F2 has shown me yeah. and kind of where I want to go next. And yeah. even though I'm not like completely sure and I don't have a specific goal, yeah. I'm just really excited to try new things yeah. um, and finish this training malarkey. For sure. I think, uh, well, I mean, you I say, say malarkey. I barely even started. I was going to say, you say finish. Like, this is the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> finish random rotations. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, get, in, get stuck into like your actual training, training posts in the future. But, um, no, totally. I feel like over the last week, even at work, every time I do something, I literally feel like a flashback to <laughs> what this would have... Like, you know, to like the first week of F1 and yeah. how how shocking the growth exactly. is. I mean, I don't think uh, when I started F1, I ever would have thought that at the end of F2. Even at the start of F2, did I think that at the end of oh, F2, really? okay. I would be this, like, as confident and as comfortable I am... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm like currently in my job role but also bearing in mind how far we have to go it's just yeah it's a journey it's cool I remember when you start off medicine everyone keeps talking about this like lifelong career lifelong career lifelong learning as in like those buzzwords that just follow you throughout med school that you definitely dropped in your med school interview and you're like I just can't wait to commence for this lifelong (laughs) learning but it's completely true because It's a career that, yes, it provides us with a job title, mm. but we actually have no idea where we're going to end up yeah. because it can encompass so many different interests yeah. um, and different specialties and just a lot of different things might happen over the next couple of years that we just have yeah. no idea are going to happen. I'm excited, basically. 
yeah, it's it's cool. It's fun. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you to the people who contributed questions. Mm. So quite a few of my family friends did actually, and like a lot of younger girls that I've yeah. had in my family friendship circles for years. Cute. And um, so I want to say thank you to Ehi for contributing. Also, another girl that I used to run with in my run club called Judith. She contributed some questions. She's also a medical student. Um, and also some of our listeners. Katie also contributed mm-hmm. some questions. Um, and I'm so sorry if I've forgotten the rest of the names, but quite a few people just dropped some questions about F1. Yeah. Um, and also F2 as well. But I suppose we'll come to them. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, super exciting. Also, I feel like we can't do this podcast without talking about the recent... Festival we went yes. to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so... We went to this festival um, last week, and it was almost like a medical conference. Yeah. Only like only <laughs> the topic, of creatives, exactly. But and the topic of conversation was podcasts, yeah. how to monetize from podcasts, how to reach your audience, is it even worthwhile? And just to sit down and like chat to people who are doing the same thing was really cool. Yeah, definitely. How and did you find it? Yeah, I thought it was just really interesting to meet other people that podcast because I don't know anyone else that does other than like. Do you not really like on a pa- like? Like, people that okay, I've met okay. in real life, you know, yeah, whereas you yeah. have friends that do it, mm. whereas I, I don't really as much. So it's been really nice to meet other people that do it and kind of yeah. understand the process and sometimes how crazy and weird it is that we just sit down with a microphone and talk about things and yeah. people somehow want to listen to it. And it's... And it was interesting because it was four women and there were, like, 95% of women there. Yeah. And... A lot of people were talking about imposter syndrome, as we do anyway when women get together, but mm. people also just talking about having the right to grab a microphone and just chat mm. into it. Yeah. So it was really nice to know that other people feel kind of the same reservations that we had, but yeah. also still feel confident to keep going and pushing their voice forward, because yeah. actually stories like our ours, which are very similar to our friends, that are just not shared very much. So it's nice to be able to do this and feel yeah. validated in doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Dope, dope conference. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, for sure. And you came a little bit later on. Do you feel yeah. like you got a lot of the vibes from the conference? Or yeah, I think like enough? so. Yeah, I think so. I think I did for sure because um, I, I only got to attend like two talks, I suppose. They were mm-hmm. like live live shows type things, um, and mm-hmm. I think I still got a feeling for like just I don't know. Just it was just really inspiring to hear from these women talking about what it was like for them to like take off from this platform and yeah like you said just feel validated in what you do mm-hmm. because you're kind of in an in an environment where other people are also doing the same thing exactly because it's funny when you go to work people kind of side-eye you a little bit when you say that you do a podcast and I'm sure yeah. there's lots of people in my workplace they've definitely listened to our show but just haven't told me or are kind yeah. of like side-eyeing me and being like Amelie like, what is it that you really know to add to the conversation yet they just don't say anything in real life so it was just really good to yeah, sit down with people yeah, yeah. who get what you're doing yeah. and also understand that struggle of putting yourself out there yeah. and allowing people to have an opinion on you. Yeah, because I feel like every, anyone who puts himself out there in any way, shape or form always gets that kind of, like, anxiety in a way of, yeah. like, what am I doing? And, um, you know, that kind of fear of, like, this double, this weird double life where... <laughs> We get out here, we're so verbose with this microphone. <laughs> and then at work, anytime like it comes up that, you know, we, we do this podcast, I always feel like a bit shy. And I'm like, because I don't want to come across like, oh, it's so fantastic. Yes, so let me tell you about the state <laughs> of the NHS. Yeah, like <laughs> grab the intercom phone and stuff. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it, it was nice to just be in like a, a, an environment of like minded people. Yeah, and it also helps you level what you're doing. It was funny because we were trying to smooth the room, work the room, and this lady was giving us all these tips, telling us what to do. She was like, here's my card, and she was like, can I have yours? And me and Sue were like, scratching our heads. Uh, so we don't have those yet? Yeah. So that was even good to even know that we yeah. need... We need a, a few, card. We need, we need a, card. a card. And there's a few more things that we need to do. Yeah. But it was cool, and it was nice to think about our yeah. show a little bit more, I mean, yeah. a bit more intention. I think that's another really good thing. We kind of got to take stock of um, where life after the letters is and where we can go what we need to do what you know that kind of stuff yeah so let's get back to the but questions we digress yeah so back to our questions if you say digress one more time this Suba. is the first time i've said it in today's episode yeah because it what eight minutes in can we all <laughs> applaud Suba, please thank you thank you thank you <laughs> so basically i wrote down all the questions and i put them in a cup and what we'll do we'll just pick up a question each ask the other one mm. and then we'll probably comment on it 
So do you want to go Should first? Mm. There you go. So drum roll, please. Right. Okay, first question for you, Doctor Inusa. <laughs> Lol. Have I, ever, have I ever called you that? No, no, no. <laughs> I think he reserved that for my dad. Yeah, genuinely, that is <laughs> that is the original, the OG Doctor Inusa. Right. Was the medical student to doctor sort of transition a massive jump for you? Ooh, good question. Yes. Thank you to whoever put that one in. I'm going to say yes and no, just because right. I really enjoyed that transition and I was like really looking forward to it. Because obviously as a medical student, you have some sort of knowledge, but it's really difficult to even understand what you're doing if you can't apply that knowledge. Mm. So, and I absolutely loved my like final year prep for practice placement. Whoa, too much alliteration. <laughs> I mean, uh, I had to say that about three times <laughs> to get it out in one sentence. And I was just, like, really keen to get started. Mm -hmm. So I quite enjoyed that transition, and I didn't feel like it was a massive jump. I suppose the reason I said yes and no to it was because it's just completely different from what that you do as a medical student. Yeah. Instead of you supporting the team, yeah. you are the team, and mm -hmm. you are leading the team. Yeah. And that what that's what makes a good F1. What makes a good F1 yeah. is the person who does the admin role and takes pride in their administrative yeah. skills, yeah. isn't it? yeah. What were you going to say, sorry? Um, I was going to say, I remember even at the start of F1, you talking about your final year placement. Oh, really? And, yeah, and how, like... Because uh, I feel like we had a really maybe contrasting experiences. Because you had a really good, like... You were really immersed in the team. Like, you were there most mornings or, like, most days. I felt like you yeah. were basically really kind of, like, at one with your F1 yeah. at the time. And oh, you, my F1 was brilliant. Yeah, 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 you really did kind of, like do a lot of the stuff that mm -hmm. you then went on to do as an F1. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I was writing discharge letters. Yeah. I was prepping the ward round. I yeah. was adding blood to the list. I even like went to go and like um, cert certify some deaths as well. Yeah, so it's just like really good placement. Yeah. Whereas um, for me, in final year, I think I wasn't as immersed in the ward round. And mm -hmm. maybe that was because... At my med school, we didn't really have, like, a prep for practice type block. Okay. Because yours was, like, a post-exam block, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. So you'd already passed finals. Everything was sorted. You weren't stressing about anything. You were just there to, like, learn what, had, what to do when F1 yeah. did. So it's quite fun, actually. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is great. It's, so, like, fun without the pressure. Yeah, whereas we didn't have that. So we, we finished, after exams, we didn't go back to, we didn't have anything okay. else. So um, I think during the times when I was on the wards, it was a lot more, like, where are my gaps in my learning, you know what practicing for oskies preparing yeah for yo can i just pass finals yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was which kind of made it a bit, maybe a bit different for me maybe the jump was a bit more of an actual like <laughs> it was more like a cliff face yeah like, like a running start and then like yeah. hurdle when i say a jump it was more like a cliff dive like <laughs> i just fell into the abyss <laughs> so and how about in your in the practice block that we had before f1 started how did you find that in so the hospital? Even that, I mean, also, I guess it's very different because you started on, uh, remind me, medicine. A medical ward, yeah. Yeah, whereas I started on psychiatry. Okay. So, again, I think that for me it was, I mean, I say it was a cliff drive. Maybe it was more like a sort of gradual slope, to be honest, <laughs> because I kind of entered into, like, the paddling pool of psychiatry and then I got upgraded into, like, the deep end in medicine and then I, like, came to the shallow end for surgery. Yeah, yeah. You know, or I don't know, maybe that could be... Thought no, shallow end, shallow yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, even my shadow week like the first week of induction mm. was um kind of like did you enjoy it or was it just like meh i just felt stressed by it to be okay, honest okay. i feel like because i only got because we had a lot of um induction-y teaching sessions remember mm. i feel like we maybe had like an afternoon two afternoons and then one full day of shadowing yeah and i remember feeling like basically we didn't have long to actually get on the ward did we yeah and then when you would go on the ward say if you went on in the afternoon you know the f1 that you're shadowing might be like oh there's actually nothing to do yeah. So, you know, you may not make much progress. But the one day I did spend shadowing, I just remember feeling stressed because I remember my F1 took me on a tour around the whole hospital, showed me, like, this is x-ray, okay, and then you come through there, and that's where the radiologist sits, and this is where you go to um, the lab to drop off the add-on blood, and, oh, you know, whatever, and this is where you go to do this. And I just remember being, like, so disorientated. Oh, and that hospital is massive. Trying to retain, like, all this info, and the F1 being like, so you need to come in, this is how you put in the list, this is how you do that, and me just being like... 
information overload yeah. and um, you're like I don't even remember my login mate yeah yeah and I'm literally there like so wait what's the route from the accommodation to the hospital because <laughs> I don't even know that one um, what was the code for the outside door into the hospital again literally and you're just writing down so many things you're scribbling things down and yeah. I mean at the end of the day but you survived and you, you did do. it you, you just, do you just come in on your first day and, and I think the other good thing you. to remember sorry to interrupt I think the other good thing to remember is that you do have a whole group of 40 other people who are in exactly the same place as you. Yeah. And even though some people might be appearing to be more confident than the other person, actually we're all starting from a place of nothing and we don't know anything. Yeah. And it's a good time to ask questions to your team and just be that annoying person who keeps asking questions so that you can be supported. But um, I think that comes easier for others than it does. So even though the job is very different as a medical student to being a doctor... I thought that the jump was manageable, personally. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. I think that at the end of the day, you... I think you'll never know what it's like to do the job until you just do the job. Yeah. But once you do the job, like, you you will be able to... Like, you'll be fine. You can do the job. And, babe, can I just say, the job also in F1 isn't that hard. You don't know that much as F1, and no one expects you to know that much. What they expect you to do is be safe and ask seniors for help. And... You'll be lucky if you were like me and you started off in medicine and you have supportive seniors. I do know for some people who started off in like surgical, busy surgical jobs that they really struggled because they didn't have the senior support like I did. Yeah. Um, So actually, if I maybe if I started off in surgery, I bet my answer would be completely different. Yeah, I guess it so depends on what job you start in. But at the end of the day, it's I think you've got to remember that you're like your what you do is all that you can be held responsible for. Yeah. So. Just always be conscious of that and you have to just be tenacious sometimes. Like just if you feel that this is wrong and you need support, you just need to keep asking until you receive it. Yeah. Um, Because no one's actually that annoyed, even though they pretend to be annoyed. They'll be happier that you ask them for help early on. Absolutely. And it's their responsibility, not yours. Yeah. Cool. Next question. We could talk forever about this. We could. I'm I'm like looking at the time and like, oh my gosh, we need to rush through this. (laughs) So this goes into a nice question for you, Suba. Okay. Were you well supported starting F1? So, um, yeah. I, so I, <laughs> I mean, I started on psychiatry, so obviously it was very different, wasn't it? Because I wasn't making medical choices. Psychiatry generally is very senior-led, mm. so your consultant will make most of the big decisions. Okay. Um, and then there was always generally, like, a reg or a consultant around or accessible... So I started on psychiatry. So obviously it was <laughs> it was like really different um, yeah. because a lot of the big decisions are senior led. You didn't generally have like physically unwell patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't necessarily being like called to assess sick like sickies in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was supported. Like my, me and my consultant got really well, so that was really nice. So and you had someone more senior to you that was in between you and the consultant. Did yeah, you? I had a registrar. I also had a, like a CT one. Okay. So I had a lot of support, to be honest. Um, did you find them helpful for medical things? For this, I would say like they. I think sometimes with psychiatry, they feel bound by. I think it's the legalities of the registration that they have. Okay. And even their like, um, you know, the indemnity. Mm-hmm. It isn't necessarily always liable for like making medical decisions. Yeah. Which is why you know psychiatrists tend to have a low threshold for medical, like for to get a medical opinion from a medical mm-hmm. team. Yeah. So um, I did find that frustrating sometimes. I feel like there was definitely a story. Do you do you remember this? Where I kind of became low key, not even low key, high key, the laughing stock of the hospital when I had to call. Oh my god! You remember this? I do because this? I feel like I told you. In the you. Co- you in the car? I think I told you the story. I think yeah. and you were like, "That was me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had. Um, so oh we had done gosh. like some routine bloods on a patient who'd come in, and the phosphate was like, <laughs> like one point, like one decimal point, or like two decimal points below the normal range. And I sort of spoke to it with my re- spoke about it with my reg, and I was like, "Oh, I was just checking the bloods, and I noticed this, and like, I don't think it's necessarily anything worrying. Like, blah blah. blah. Should we <laughs> should we even replace it?" And my my registrar, who you know what, he must have known he was shafting me in this moment. What an idiot! Sorry, in this moment of his life, he must have known like he was shafting. Maybe he had a giggle to himself. I don't know. Anyways, he was like to me. Maybe that was like your. Um- 
what's it called when like, you'd like, when they're hazing yeah. <laughs> you got hazed welcome to psychiatry <laughs> um, yeah so he was like basically call the medveg up and just to get a medical opinion on it and I was like I felt like a mug and I was like I think this is so unnecessary but I was like you know what um, what can you do like your your senior doctor's giving you like, a specific and it's telling you okay super <laughs> phosphates a tiny little bit smidgen low maybe in other hospital this will be a normal range but okay, yeah super i'm gonna give you this job so then i call up the med reg you know to be like oh hey uh this is really um uh, maybe a stupid question but um i spoke to my reg and he just asked me to get an opinion from you <laughs> the phosphate is this and there was like a pause <laughs> and then i'm kind of like hello <laughs> and the med reg is basically like what and I was just like, it, the, I, didn't, I thought maybe he didn't hear me. I can repeat myself. And he's literally like astounded. And he's like, uh, if he was like, that is literally insignificant. <laughs> and he was like, if you really want to replace it, you can replace it with like oval phosphate. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what's the name of the oval phosphate? <laughs> And then on Amelie's side, so Amelie comes home that night because obviously we were we were housemates. She comes home, she comes home that night and she's like, "Oh guys, can you believe?" And she starts telling me the story. Can you believe? <laughs> and then it was super. It was so funny. But you know what's also funny? I was also doing a gastro job at that time, so I just I just used to replace loads of people's salt levels and electrolytes all the yeah, time. Yeah. So if it was a low phosphate, I was seeing low phosphates of like 0.6, 0.4, yeah. and I was replacing that with IVs, re- yeah, barely yeah. even replacing other yeah. stuff with oral, barely even rechecking bloods yeah. later on. So for me, it was actually part of my normal at this point. Yeah. But had I been super on day one, you have been like- by myself without a senior to be like, yes, so give Sanofos. One tablet, yeah, BD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, a, is it even a tablet? Is it a sachet? Who knows? Yes, yeah, ta- I think it's a tablet. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, anyway. My patients ask me, oh, so doctor, what's that, that red pill? pill? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I only know like one colour of a pill and that's Viagra. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> not from pe- not from personal experience. <laughs> Woo! Sure. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Sure, 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 sure. Just because I watch we movies. All learned, we all learned a lot about Amelie today. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, but that, I think actually what you said is really interesting because I actually felt a, like kind of insecure about the fact that being on a starting on a psych job, I felt like everyone else, like all the other F1s I knew, were like real doctors sometimes and in some stuff. ways. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I felt like I was behind and I felt stressed about like having to catch up when I then started on my medical job. Can I ask you another question? So when you were, obviously you had two other F1s at that time. Yeah. Did you guys like have this shared feeling together or did you actually think oh no look we're all on the same page that's fine no I think we were all kind of stressed about it stressed about what about like when we would start our actual like medical or surgical jobs and being and then being asked to flex that like medical and like you know that that brain of like medicine Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. actually was lying dormant a lot of the time in psychiatry Mm -hmm. which kind of we would talk about it and be like ah Let's like, are we forgetting things? Are we gonna, do you know what mm. I mean? Are we gonna be really rusty when we start? And then also when you then have group conversations and people will be talking about all the things they're doing. Yeah. And I would be like, that's unimaginable to me to be like managing a, like a, a septic, like a patient in septic shock or something like that. Yeah. Was to me like, oh my God. Even though now you could do that with your eyes closed. Exactly. And I think for those that start in psychiatry, like don't be, don't be deterred. Like you will gain those skills when yeah. you then start those jobs. Like, and take your skills from psychiatry. Because yeah, actually focus like, on that. Because in psychiatry, you learn so much. You yeah. learn how to speak to patients, yeah. how to be put in situations that you would never would even dream of being put in, yeah. and how to feel, how to like live and sit and being uncomfortable in yeah. conversations, um, or being like fearful of different s- scenarios, and also sorry, prioritizing medical problems or knowing when to escalate them. Yeah, that's also a really useful skill. So psychiatry, you learn loads. It's a whole yeah, it's a whole different kettle of fish, and you're and so you right. can drink coffee and you can drink tea and eat sit biscuits. down during your ward round. I'm sorry. Sit down. Do you remember those days? Can I just say? Going from psychiatry to A and E in F two, that was such a shock because I was standing up all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I had to wear chair. trainers. Yeah. I was so shook. Yeah, yeah. No, My for sure. Gosh, for sure. Just different pace. Just yeah. a different life, isn't it? Right. Cool. Who's the Numero next question? For me, I think for um, me to read to you. From me, for to, me you. to you, to you, to me. Um, we are actually the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. 
What are, Amelie, 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 what are your tips for maintaining a good work-life balance? Oh, interesting. This is a good one for you. I think you do a good job of this. I think people think I do a good job of it. You, and I find it hilarious. So you do a good job of maintaining an illusion of maintaining a good yes, work-life balance. Yes, tell them. That's like millennial <laughs> skills. Basically. Basically, ele- you make it, baby. Exactly. And show on social media. <laughs> so, no, to be honest, I think I've always kind of maintained a good work-life balance, maybe sometimes geared towards life more than work. Um, And I suppose that's, like, an issue that I have struggled with, like, throughout med school, Mm -hmm. where I have, like, so many different things in my head at the time that Mm -hmm. I kind of spend a bit too much time on the life bit than Mm -hmm. the work bit. Um, But I think if you really enjoy your job, that the work bit will come easily. Naturally, yeah. So that was good for me because I did enjoy my jobs, Mm -hmm. and I still do. But in terms of maintaining the life balance, I think it's important to... Make sure that you spend time outside of work, do, working on your natural interests, mm. um, and also spend time looking after yourself. Mm. So for me, it was important to go to the gym and go to the mm. classes, mm. even in London, because mm. we were working at, in Essex at the time, but I yeah. used to sometimes get on the train to London to do like a class or two, yeah. or meet up with friends in London as well. Because actually, when you're working in F1, one really good thing about it is that you get to know all your F1 colleagues very well. Yeah. But the other issue is that sometimes you're just surrounded by medicine all the time. Yeah. Because naturally, and most likely, you would have been in a place away from home and you're amongst just doctors. Yeah. I made it a point to go and like go and see my friends in London and, yeah. I, and go to events in London as well. Um, so I think that's important. Also, I think eating well is another important part. And I also mm. like cooking. Mm. So I would, like, cook for myself in the evenings. And that was, like, just a good time to, like, wind down. Yeah. And eat healthy food. Because actually it's so easy. Like, first time you're making money. Yeah. Um, and also you don't really have much time. It's really easy just to, like, yeah. order a takeaway, isn't it? Or chips and beans. Like, you know, it's just your life. <laughs> this this l- ongoing chips and yeah. beans scenario. <laughs> no, genuinely. Or just, like, you know, that vending machine life. Like, it's really easy to eat unhealthily, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And particularly when you're working, like, really bad shifts. Yeah. So I suppose, like, when I was working my first medical job, I think I wasn't eating as well, just because I lived in hospital accommodation. We yeah. all did for, like, about a month or so. And that kitchen was The kitchen was horrific. disgusting and horrific. Yeah. I wouldn't even want to put stuff in the fridge. It's on that... It was unsanitary. Yeah. It was as unsanitary. In, I think the most I did was have, like, a yogurt container that was like sealed and put in a carrier bag yeah so it wouldn't even touch yeah, the yeah i always have my food inside a carrier bag and like my mum would make me food like i'd have rice and curry in like tupperware yeah. boxes inside carrier bags inside carrier bags like she would double bag it exactly because i didn't want it touching the fridge no. and my mum felt so bad for me yeah. and then i would put that inside the microwave which also scared me a little bit yeah oh god that microwave. so I'd eat that way yeah or you just get a takeaway so i didn't do well in my like in the first month or so but as soon as we got our beautiful house yeah oh i miss it i know i know it was so good i wish we could just pick it up and bring it to london and like place it well and on, not on the not let the prices rise either no 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 exactly for the same how much a month were we paying about 400 400 a month mate that, that is, was a madness that is mad yeah in london 400 pounds a month would be like a garden shed yeah it would get you a shoebox <laughs> cupboard under the stairs mate bring your own sleeping bag yeah <laughs> unfurnished that's so sad but that's so true yeah and I think also, like, living with you guys was also a massive help in terms of, like, maintaining that work-life balance, don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, um, I think you did a really good job of, like... I think you're right about the whole, if you are in the fringes of London, like, mm-hmm. making an effort to maybe sort of, like, travel out from your bubble. Yeah. Because, like you said, actually, if you've all moved to a place for work, your network kind of just becomes other yeah. doctors. Mm. And it's not like... So a lot of my friendship group are doc, like my friends, like home friends and yeah. school friends are all doctors. But you're connected in different ways, Yeah, you? but we weren't... Like, we have a friendship preceding medicine. Whereas actually, I think a lot of your doctor friends, initially what connects you is the fact that you work together. So it's so easy just for your conversations to be about work and Imagine like, if our life was this podcast the entire time. You'd get so sick of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, by the end of our of our year of being, you know, um, of like being friends with all our colleagues, mm-hmm. I think it was it was funny because I remember one of our friends used to always be like, no one's allowed to talk about work. <laughs> and we would all inevitably end up talking about work. Because yeah. sometimes it was like the main thing that connected all of us. Yeah, but totally. by the end of it, when you've actually formed genuine friendships. Is that me? It wasn't you. Oh, okay, I felt it like it was me. Shout out to Rini. <laughs> um, but by the end of the year, it became a case of like, we, I remember once we were in a conversation and like, we didn't speak about work at all. And I was like, 
guys. Guys, guys, guys. It's happened. We're real friends now. <laughs> That's so funny, isn't but, it? But, yeah, working... I think, at the end of the day, if it's a priority for you to maintain your work-life balance... And by that, I think, like you said, what you really mean is, like, maintaining your life outside of work. Mm-hmm. If that's a priority for you, then you'll do it. Like, mm-hmm. just just make sure that you make the time to do the things that you love because they nourish and feed your soul. Yeah. And you'll be happier for it overall. You don't have to feel... And likewise, if you're feeling like, you know what, you're exhausted and you're stretching yourself a bit too much, just take an, like, just take an off day, chill out, mm-hmm. don't do anything, recharge. Yeah. And then you'll just... You know, it'll happen in its own time. Exactly. And I always, I always used to do a thing where instead of taking, like, all my annual leave at once, I would, like, take a good block off so I had, like, a couple of weeks off to go on a good holiday somewhere. Yeah. But I'd also, like, take random days off in the week just to kind of spread my time out a little yeah. bit. Because actually it is hard going to work. We're not just going to work nine to five. We're going nine to five plus maybe a couple of hours Uncle's every week. E- Either on calls or just like staying yeah. late every day because you do oh, yeah, inevitably. Just late, yeah. Inevitably, as an F one, you well in our hospital, we used yeah. to stay late all the time. Yeah, and that was just like a natural part. You could just yeah. do nine to nine every you single could. day. I think that's another thing that's important. Is that that's tiring? You need to take care of yourself when it comes to your work shifts because you could. Like I think there was one day where I I think I ended up staying. So I was you know the 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 hours were meant to be eight till 4 30 mm. on a medical job oh yeah it was and then but you never left at 4 30 but there was a day when i think and i used to generally leave at 5 30 and i just was used to that That for me it became my new normal working hours mm-hmm. and if i had to stay until six i'd be a bit like oh okay i'm annoyed because also these are days where you're always trying hard to leave on time so you are working at like breakneck speed and you've probably taken about a 15 minute break to yeah eat lunch at your something. lunch at the desk whilst updating the list with one hand mm. but um I remember one day I ended up staying until seven because just like things were just snowballing. And then once it got to seven, I just kind of like, it's like a switch went off of me and I was like, I just don't care anymore. I, and I felt like actually I ended up leaving at eight mm. and it got to the point where I was like, I usually could have stayed in that place until 10 because there's just so many things you keep happening, yeah. you keep going, you know. Was that the gastro job? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we worked on the same ward obviously at different times. But yeah. That was a hard job and it yeah. was such a slog. Yeah, that's you've just got to, I think, have a a cut off where you're like, Mm. there's only so much you can do, and you've got to do the necessary things, Mm -hmm. and then you just have to be like, can this wait till tomorrow? Yes, okay, let's go. And you don't have to make that decision yourself. I think it's important to now looking back to ask your seniors where exactly you can start looking at to save some time. Because like now, if an F one asks me, Amelie, how do I not leave late every single day? Yeah. I would take that upon myself to make sure I better spread out the jobs as a team, yeah. explain what are priorities, yeah. what we need to do today and what we can leave till tomorrow yeah. and what actually won't make a difference to the patients, like length of stay or care yeah. in the hospital. This is very true. We can say that with hindsight now. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. There's no way I would have approached my jobs in the same way as an F2 as I did as an F1. But yeah. that also comes with learning, doesn't it? Yeah. I would have one last point on this work-life okay. balance thing because I will say that I've only mastered it in F2. And I've only really, truly mastered it in my last rotation of F2. Really? And for me, that what it's come down to is realising that I really needed a work-life balance mm. and then prioritising it. And that was it. I think once I prioritised it and I was like, I am going to promise myself that I will do this. And what I'm not... changed for you to make you think you need a work-life balance? For me, I think it was my second job on F2. Which was? Which was um, AMU, acute medicine. Okay. It went out the window. I All I did was work. And I didn't even, you know, sometimes you can't see it when you're going through it, but I was like in a bit of a funk because I was just working. All There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The time, and it was like during the winter as well. And it was just so easy to just be stuck at work and then you come home you're exhausted you don't do anything because you're exhausted and you go back to work and then you reflect back on the month and you're like oh all I've done this month is work mm. um and that's and I, I wasn't happy with it so when I started a and I was like you know what I refuse to let my rotation dictate like my social life and I'm going to maintain it because yeah. I, ne- I needed to and I think actually I was so much happier for it because I got to the point at like, the end of AMU I was like I ha- how much have I seen my friends like this month and I was like oh during that rotation mm. I was like this is crazy it's not enough yeah um, but once you prioritise it then you know you're happier for it so yeah, I think that's yeah. that's what it took was just that shift yeah and even though I kept talking about like going into London going into London it was just because where we were living um, for our first year it just wasn't very exciting there wasn't very much, much to, to do, do. there yeah. so I kind of had to push myself to go a little bit further but yeah. I made I felt so much better for it yeah so much better for it okay next question yeah I suppose this is kind of the same thing, but I'd be interested to hear it from you, Suba. How easy is it for you, or how easy was it for you to maintain other interests during F1? Um, and what interest did you have, like, before med school and, mm. like, sorry, before F1, and what interests are you kind of, like, pursuing now? Okay, so, um, I don't know, I feel like this one's kind of hard to answer for Why? me, because I think the sort of, a lot of the interests that I had outside of medicine kind of naturally, like I, I naturally kind of, my interest in them kind of tailed off a bit. So I would say like music, for instance, like... Well, like singing, guitar. Singing, guitaring. I feel like in the last few years of med school, I was very actively doing it. Like I was performing. I would do shows. Mm. Um, me and my friend who plays the piano, we were always getting together and jamming and like working on things working on little projects yeah. we had like a plan to start you know doing this in a bit more makes like a, a difference way. It, in that sense yeah but then actually that naturally tailed off in final year of med school yeah um and i'm like because your priorities change though in final year don't yeah, they because you I need think, to pass your exams uh, yeah and i think actually in a lot of ways <laughs> that kind of detracted yeah i think i kind of like lost a bit of myself in that time so i kind of lost this part of myself that had all these interests it was really weird yeah. and even things like it almost I, feels like you're trying to grab at your identity again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of... But it's reformed now because now... I don't know. Your job kind of changes you. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I kind of... It was... Yeah, it's hard for me to answer that one because I kind of went into F1 having lost a lot of things about my identity. Yeah. Um, and I kind of... Cool, like, that was deep. I know. But I feel like at the end of F2, I've come out now with, like, new parts of myself yeah. that I've rediscovered. Definitely. And I think you going to New Zealand will only make that... More in the more forefront of totally, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm hoping it because will do. going to New Zealand, you can only succeed, you can only yeah. grab onto your interests more and who yeah. you are more. Whereas, like, actually being sure. staying here in an environment that you've always been in, it doesn't always encourage that, yeah, so kind that, of, yeah, totally. Like, in a way, it kind of strips away the the things that kind of make you comfortable, yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. forces you to really stare at yourself, yeah, and. Yeah, I don't know why this, these questions are, like, meant to be advice for you guys. I feel like this is, like, a therapy session for oh me. Oh, my gosh, What is, is going on? It is. And, <laughs> but it's funny you should say about the projects. I think that's really important mm. because, actually, it's all good and well to say, I'm going to stay fit, I'm going to stay healthy, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to look after myself, light some candles every day. But, actually, <laughs> unless you're intentional about the things you do, yeah. it just it won't happen because there's yeah. not enough time or room for these things to happen naturally. Yeah. So, I know this sounds crazy, but I signed up to... London Marathon. Yeah. And that made me stay fit. Because yeah, there's yeah. no way I'm going to run 26 miles without training for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, was literally going to say that when you were saying about having projects, even when you're thinking about yeah. your own fitness. You mm. need to have a focus, right? Yeah. 
and it even allowed me to form new friendships. Like, I feel yeah. like I became closer to Hannah, for example, yeah. Yeah. just because we were both r- running together and we were training together. Yeah. And even though she lived somewhere completely different, we were always, like, updating each other. Yeah. And it was something nice to talk about outside of work. Yeah. So I think stuff like that is important to kind of hook yourself into a project. Yeah. Or even, like, a few of our friends, they joined the gym together. Yeah. So little things like that are really helpful, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Or even at the start of F1, remember we had a cute little F1 running club? Oh my gosh, yeah. We did like two, it was three so rounds. Amelie was basically our chieftain. And we'd but go we were so jokes. We were so silly. Cause yeah. I remember the first run about, wait, 2K in. We just went to our friend's house. Yeah. And then we ate, like, we had a coffee and like, had some biscuits. And the run just stopped. That was it. But it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Okay. I'm sad that that tailed off, actually. Okay, next question for you. Um, okay, this one's kind of crazy. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll say it to you and then we can kind of discuss. How do you deal with 24-hour shifts? I didn't understand that question, and I can't remember who wrote that in. Yeah. But do you even know what that this means? This is not legal anymore. Oh, okay, cool. I, I was like... for that. I was shooketh. Maybe we could talk about maybe just, like, a, like a long shift or, like, a night shift. But I'm sure that question will come up. So yeah, maybe... next, next, next. Yeah. And then we'll try and get to it if it doesn't come up. Yeah. Cool, you, okay. you pick another so one. So, round two. Um, oh, okay. Did you feel lonely in F1? How do you make friends? I love that second question. That's so cute. Yeah. That's so cute. Start with the first one. So did you feel lonely in F1? I think there's parts of the time in F1 when I definitely felt lonely. Mm. I think it's really easy sometimes to feel alone in your team when you're the person Mm -hmm. with, like, the least knowledge but Mm. also the biggest desire to get things done. Mm -hmm. It's kind of Mm -hmm. two really difficult things to reconcile. Absolutely. Um... Because you don't want to feel like you're pushing, trying to push yeah. without the help of like your seniors or your other colleagues. So yeah. I think in those kind of times I felt lonely. Also, there was like different parts of like my identity which I couldn't like grab hold of because I didn't have like those natural communities around me. So whether it was like my Christian identity, so mm-hmm. having like lo- like other Christians around me, people who I could like sit down and do like Bible studies with, I just didn't have that. Mm. I really struggled with that part. So that side of me felt a bit alone because yeah. at university it was so different. We had like a good community. Yeah. You knew your life at university. You had yeah. like groups, had so many groups, of so people. many, so yeah. much time, yeah. and like all of that. So that was difficult. But then also like. Of like running, to be honest, I yeah. ran so much at university. I had my university run club as well, and that was also like a really large part of like what I did. Yeah. So like just not having a group of people who would just come out with me, or I couldn't just like call on people, because who you are as a doctor compared to who you are as a medical student is very different. You're kind of like a, just a fish out of water, like a fish in a massive pond yeah. when you come into hospital. So I think just that adjustment to who who I now was and like what my identity now was that was kind of lonely but that was just me trying to figure out myself yeah okay so with the whole being lonely thing Mm. I agree with you because I think in some ways yes in some ways no Mm. um and I think I felt like you touched really interestingly on feeling lonely at work even though I think because of the follow-up question in this in this pair I think this sounds more like how was it making friends in your cohort? Yeah, of so F1s? can we stick to the lonely bits? I think that's more probably more interesting. But then I think what you touched on is more how actually within your job role you can feel a bit lonely because you've got kind of clashing agendas in a way. You've got maybe your surgical reg that wants to get to theatre, and there's you who maybe wants, you know, another like another you know your agenda is maybe different, mm. and their agenda is different, and those two things coming together, or even maybe sometimes having conflicts within your like your work relationships um, where you can have people that you are friends with um that you're now working with and your working relationships can be strained and Ooh, like you yeah. can you can feel lonely lonely in that way mm-hmm. um i think that we were lucky with our cohort of f1s yeah so lucky i already knew a few people from university not not super well but i didn't like, actually know anyone you didn't yeah. know anybody but i knew mm-hmm. a few, i knew like two of our other housemates i knew from uni and yeah. i already thought well of them so that was really nice um and then i knew your dad of course so, <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of knew you um but yeah it was just i felt that actually making friends was quite nice because also as crazy as it sounds like i feel f1 is kind of like the first you know the first season of Grey's Anatomy yeah it is, it is like, a you know that bit. first episode where they're all like coming into work and like it's like who are you who are you yeah, yeah, yeah. who are you <laughs> I don't know why you use that voice <laughs> lol sorry <laughs> and I remember I really hated Alex initially on Grey's Anatomy but I came to love him so yeah was, like the middle 
and end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? I feel like you kind of get all those characters. You get an you Alex do. and you get a George and you get your Meredith. You get your Christina. And you get a Christina, yeah. Yeah, your Izzy's. Like, yeah. you've got everybody. But um, actually, at the end of the day, the job is bonding enough. Like, even if you don't get on, you know, even if you, like, maybe this person isn't someone that you naturally would have clicked with... The fact that you are all going through the same hellfire, in a yeah. sense, like you will bond through that. Exactly. And so I think, it almost felt like a family, didn't yeah, it? Like it a really weird family did. situation. Like, Even now, to think back, it, you remember like how much, if you don't know what to do, you just post it in the group, someone tells you, or, mm-hmm. you know. What you should have done with the phosphate thing, yeah. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> basically, my God, I'm such a moron. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so I think it never, you, I don't think you will feel lonely, but I, that was a big fear for me before starting, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. we talked about this in another episode mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. choosing our jobs. And for me, I was very much afraid of not making friends and feeling isolated. So yeah. I chose my location very specifically to be near my family and near my friends in mm-hmm. case work didn't offer me that. Um, but. But it did. Yeah. Luckily. I yeah. would say yes and no in different ways. And I think also sometimes it's hard when you make. In a way, the beauty of adult friendships is I think you become close very quickly. So I remember the person that I am, I don't think I open up like emotionally. Mm. Emotionally. I don't open up on like a deeper level very quickly with people. Okay. I'm very reserved mm. um, in that sense, unless I get like a really, really good vibe from someone and I, and I trust them very much. Yeah. Um, but usually it takes time for me to like see that I can trust you before I feel comfortable opening and sharing like my emotions with you. But I found that I went through like um, like a big thing quite early on in F one, mm. but I found it. I found that I was really lucky to have you guys like as housemates. I felt really happy and comfortable to open up with and have like emotional support from um, you know all those people yeah, that were there, yeah. which normally I would have I would have only have gone to my closest friends for. Oh yeah, same. I think same, and you know that I had situations outside of work, but I could really turn to my work colleagues yeah. for support. And to be honest, I only turned to the ones that I was very close to. Um, but it def- F1 definitely provided me that group of people mm. who would be there for me. Yeah. And it's unlike a normal job, I say normal job, a job that's not medicine, yeah. um, where actually you might not be that tight with your colleagues because yeah. you're not relying on your colleagues for so much during yeah. the day. Because yeah. actually what we're relying on our colleagues for is to help support patients and like life and death scenarios. Yeah. So like the bond that we need to make is... A- it has to be stronger yeah and um, then you would in a like a regular admin job or yeah. it kind of job yeah so i suppose the nature of the environment that you're in forces yeah. you to look at more human factors so i'm sure that has some sort of like yeah. effect on us yeah cool let's rush through these questions we might not be able to get through all of them but i hope we do hardest part of f1 um okay so this will be a quick fire question hardest part of f1 was um Growing a backbone. <laughs> I'll say that. Bloody hell, I've got a rigid backbone now. <laughs> Why does that sound? And she just sat up straighter after she said that. <laughs> um, yeah, because I feel that I went into F1 not being a confrontational person, not being someone that like... Ooh, and how that has changed. Uh, you catch me fighting people left, right and centre. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of I went into F1 being maybe a bit more fearful of okay. my seniors. Yeah. Um, and I've come out of it feeling very much like, no, you know, I'll stand my ground. I, I know that I'm good at my job. Mm. I my opinion is worthwhile. Yeah. I'll challenge my seniors if I feel Mm. they need to be challenged. I wouldn't have done that at the beginning. Okay, yeah. And that's because your priority now is definitely your patience. Yeah, yeah. How about you? My hardest part of F1 was doing the things I needed to do on time. So, like, getting to work on time. (laughs) Um, Also, like, doing my portfolio on time. Yeah. And just taking things off. Because I'm just really forgetful with time. Um, Yeah. Anyway, next question, please. (laughs) Next. Right, so... Is it possible to aspire... You are asking the right people. Uh, is it possible to aspire towards non-medical endeavours um, as a genie doctor, such as uh, starting a business? So, Amelie, this is a great question for you. I would say, yes, it is possible to like work towards it and think about it. But to be honest, in F1, your priority is F1. In order for you to enjoy your F1 and feel like a human being and to have time to yourself, I think it's important to focus on like your F1 job and get out what you can from it. I think there's time to like pursue other endeavours and I think you should do that whilst you're doing F1, but it's not going to be possible to give your whole heart to it, I think. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'd second I've been able that. to do that more in F2 and definitely yeah. if I took a year out and I, see, I know a lot of doctors who've taken time out even after F1, who yeah. are doing amazingly well. Um, and I would just say, 
maybe just use your initial F1 just to become the best doctor you can be initially I think you make your kind of habits in F1 mm-hmm. and it's the best time to breed like the best habits for yourself yeah in your sort of early days as a doctor definitely so yeah so I guess sow the seeds but focus on it maybe a bit later down okay, the line okay super another quick fire question mm. what was your favorite job in F1 and tell me why I would say A&E that was oh, an wait. F1, mate. Yeah, sorry, no, that's crazy. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting you'd say that, but I think the same. Um, okay, so in F1, I would say my last job, my surgical job, and I would say because, and maybe it's just the end of F1 vibes, because you're like... Nah, mate, it's because Super was chilling in her last job. <laughs> no, also because I, I think I had just, like, grown a lot by the end. I was more confident. I was, like... I think I was, like, very much running my, my ward round. Yeah, you I were. was on top of everything. I so was I. Yeah. We both had kind of got to that point where you were, like, admin level 100. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we'd be, like, to other teams, eh, would you guys, like, yeah. help with anything? But, we have finished. That's literally because between the two of us, we had about six faces. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a shout-out to our admin skills. No, that's no. a shout-out to breast and vascular. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, and I just, I had a really good team. Um, I learned a lot. I was working, I was starting to work independently. And yeah. my consultant used to always have a joke where he'd be like, "You're a senior house officer." Like, do you know what I mean? And it, you know, yeah. My consultant, he always, my current one, he's always like, "So, Amelie, the reason it's so easy is because you're on F two, but it's almost like you're a CMT." And he's like, "To my F one, it's almost like you're on F two, and he's so cute." Yeah, that's cute. But also, the, um, the sun helps as well. It's summer. Yeah, your last job, so that's also a great for thing. sure, for sure. So yeah, how about you? Favorite job, F one. Yeah, vascular, vascular, which was my agreed. last job for this exactly the same reason Super's just said. Fine. Right, next question for you. This can be a yes/no question, okay? Does mm. medicine take over your life? I know what I'm going to say. Come on, yes or no? Don't think about it too much. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Why did you say but yes? Not in a bad way. I just think that it is the kind of job that is not. It's not like a job you leave you leave behind and if you are doing that then I don't think you're making the best of the job and I don't think it's in a bad way I think that being a doctor kind of seeps into the nature of who Who you you are are. yeah and that's not a bad thing and I think teachers probably would say something very similar exactly because once you do these jobs you're now exposed to like people yeah and whenever you're exposed to people in such an intimate way in a way that you can like really change or affect their lives it's a privilege to be in that position and yeah. actually you have skills skills that will be important um both inside your job and outside your job yeah and also like I'd never thought it would happen to me but literally I was on the plane to Nigeria and they were like hi is there a doctor on board and I'm like sick I'm on my way to Nigeria yeah. all us Nigerian kids have done medicine but the plane was like virtually empty there wasn't many people on it and so no one said anything so I was like Hi, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and then they, they like double looked at me because I had like my, my face was dead yeah. and like I had heels on. But then I went to help and it was like a really nice thing. And thankfully it was like a, quite an easy situation to deal with. Yeah. But there's aspects of our jobs that just like take yeah, over just, who you are. Yeah, they are just, they become part of your life. I think maybe almost, I know you said teacher, but I think maybe almost any career, like it, your career does seep, like if you're a business owner, like it seeps into your life. Like Yeah, it does. You it know, does. and I don't think it's, takes over sounds mm. a bit like invadey yeah. I don't think it's a case of like you're losing you're like creepy yeah <laughs> it's not like you're losing yourself to your job I think it's just that if it's a job you know you wanted to do this job like it's it does become part of who you are and it's not a bad thing yeah and I know in like our fifth episode when we talk to sit and sit down with Muna actually mm. we talk about like the dangers of allowing it to completely take over in a negative way yeah. um and that consume you yeah exactly because I think we've all had that moment where it has consumed us and even when you talk about like the shift that you had to make we've all made that mental shift in actually I need to live my life I need to have my own identity I need to see what I can forge out of my job and the way it can like really change my life and um yeah those those decisions are important to make yeah yeah so it will take over, but you have to make it your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're doing it right, it will take over. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Okay, your favourite part of F1? Favourite... Oh, okay, so we did hardest part before. Favourite part? Um, okay, in a really nerdy way, I think my favourite moment was... And I know it's kind of crazy, but 
seeing my first STEMI on the wards as a medical F1 on the nights was okay. this was at a point where I was I was I was comfortable I was confident ish um I didn't feel like I wasn't overwhelmed by the moment I just found it medically really really amazing to see a STEMI because I'd never seen a STEMI before as a med student I'd never seen a real life STEMI so I was like oh my god it's just like <laughs> just like in the textbooks I loved it um and it was just like it was like an OSCE station comes to life the history the examination the prescribing all that it was yeah I think that was a nerdy uh, moment of, like, my favourite moment on F1. I think otherwise, like, life favourite moments on F1, probably just, like, the friendships. I sound so corny. But I was going like, to say the friendships as well. Yeah, just, like, those times we spent at, like, our local bar. Um, just, like... Did you call it a bar? It was, like, a dive pub, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was a gym with a bar. Oh, that place! Yeah, of course. <laughs> we literally used to go to the gym just to go, go to, to the, the bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was so fun. That was fun. And I always used to, like, spend time at Bookie's house and, like, yeah. sleep over there. Yeah. I'd go and find myself in another house. I'd be eating there. I'd yeah. be like, Glory, do you want to drive to Costco <laughs> or Ikea? Like, yeah. we had such a good time because just there wasn't that memories. much to do there. No, no, no. So, just life memories, really like, good. chilling with everybody, the jokes, the bounce, like, yeah. yeah. Just good times. And I think cause it was special for us because we had moved to this, like, little town to mm-hmm. work and, like you said, nothing else other than just yeah. the rest of us. And I wouldn't have changed that for the world. No. I think it was so important. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, last question, Subes. Okay, I can't believe we made it. Um, how do you survive night shifts? Oh, and that's like a, come around to the first question that yeah, you asked. Yeah, that whole the like, 24, 24 hour. hour one, yeah, which is good. How do you survive night shifts? Yeah. So, can I just make a disclaimer? I don't actually sleep that much, and I'm actually fine with only sleeping for five or so she hours. She's some kind of freak of nature. So, yeah. So I sleep the hours that you should be sleeping. <laughs> That's funny. They get added on to me. Oh, is that how it's worked? I see, I see. <laughs> so how do you survive nights? I think I've got better at surviving, surviving nights as an F2 than I was an F1. But basically, I make sure I have cooked myself, like, a proper dinner. Yeah. Um, and I take that to work, and I'll use a microwave, and I'll make sure I actually take a break, regardless of what I'm doing. So, no, start us from the beginning. So, like, say you've got a shift from 8 to 8. Okay. What, like, so your first one, do you sleep in the first morning, or do you just, like, take a nap before you come? What do you do? So, my first shift, okay, so let's say it's a Monday, yeah. that I'm going to be working Monday nights. Yeah. So on Sunday, I would have done my day as normal and I'd gone to sleep that evening and woken normal up. time. And just stayed in bed for as long as I can. For oh. me, it's actually a little bit difficult because naturally yeah. I wake up about six or seven. Yeah. But like, if I can, I'll try and stay in until about like nine, ten. Yeah. Or I'll stay up late that night and just sleep in as long as I can. Yeah. So kind of by midday, I'm a bit more active. Okay. So at that time, I would have like probably gone out to the shops and bought food for the week. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would have been cooking definitely or have gone to the gym yeah. or something. So I'd make sure that I've got food for that night um, and then I would go to sleep for a couple of hours okay, so you before my night that. shift exactly so Fine. maybe from the hours of like two till two till five I'd have gone to sleep or maybe from the hours of like four till whatever time yeah I'd have gone to sleep and then I'd gone on my first night shift okay. I find the first night the hardest yeah because it's a night I haven't rested properly yeah and also it's just kind of get yourself in the mindset of nights because it's a very different job. Yeah. So that's how I do my sleeping schedule. What about you with your sleeping schedule? So I, yeah, similar. I try and I try and stay up the night before and then sleep in as much as I can. But again, even for me, and I am like basically a sloth, mm. but I still... I, said, mm, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% true. <laughs> um, it is, a sloth is my spirit animal. Um, but I still, yeah, also find myself up like... The longest I can sleep is probably like 11. Yeah, it's good just to lie down and rest. Yeah, you just lay there for a bit and then generally you'll be up and sort of 11, 12, I get up. I like to use it as a day just to run like my errands. Yeah, like, it's such a good day for errands. Because you've got like the daytime free. Um, I used to... I mean, I try and take food in, but I'm not always the best with it. I do try and make something to take in. Mm-hmm. But I this year, I found myself actually more sticking to my regular... So I'll have dinner before I go to work. Good. I'll have like maybe a snack at work mm-hmm. and then I come home and I eat breakfast and then sleep. Yeah. Whereas in F1, I used to have, I used to like completely change my eating schedule. So I would have breakfast when I woke up. So before I went out my night shift, I'd have breakfast. And I'd have like, like cereal or something. Well, like eggs or, you know, more like a more hearty breakfast. Would you? I'd have, have a full on dinner, mate. 
Yeah, I used to be a mixed bag because it would depend. It would depend. Maybe, the, maybe not the first night because obviously I've been up, but the second night because I would sleep in, I would then have like That's so funny. a breakfast before I went in, mm. and then I'd have like a big meal when I. But then also I would it, it, that would backfire because I'd get back home mm-hmm. in the morning and I wouldn't so be let, up for eating a big dinner. I see, I see. So then so, I wouldn't be eating much. That's what I found. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we would do after the night shift. So we've done the whole night shift. Yeah. Well, actually, during the night shift, was there any practices that you now have that you? try and keep up yeah so I think I recognize in myself I always get that slump like that sort of 4 a.m slump that low cortisol slump yeah and I I at that point I will have a coffee Mm -hmm. but I think there is actually a really interesting article now that's been released in the BMJ about caffeinating okay on your night shift and how best to caffeinate Oh, interesting. Um, which I'm meaning to read, actually. I've not read it. I've not read Ooh, it. Okay. But I need to. We were talking about it on I'm our sure A&E we'll talk night about shift. It another time, definitely. Yeah. Um, but that might be one for you guys to read. Um, your F1 starting on nights. Um, and how to maximise your sleep and things like that, apparently, the article covers. Okay, cool. But yeah, I tend to have like a sort of 4 a.m. coffee just to wake me up and keep me going for the last few hours. Yeah, because you definitely do take a dip um, at 4 a.m. Yeah. It's like well researched and for studied. Sure. And I always take my water bottle around with me during my night shifts to make sure I'm hydrating myself. I've lost so many water bottles that way oh, and so many good so coffee mugs. I literally spent £40 on a beautiful oh, coffee mug. You know the one I had like I a couple know, of months ago? the marble back. one. Was it like, oh god, no. it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was like a Japanese coffee yeah. mug, no spillage. That one was nice. And I lost it literally within a week in the hospital the hospital will take stuff from you yeah just because you're running around you're probably like going to an arrest call then you just dropped it you somewhere leave it somewhere and then god knows where that somewhere is it's probably at the bottom of some notes trolley like. <laughs> <laughs> one nurse told me that she saw a patient drinking from a cup and she was like what who gave you that and then she was, the patient was like oh someone else gave it to me and she was like what the heck so she just gave it to the patient <laughs> um no so like during the nights i if now i try and take a break um, oh, yeah. And I try and take a break like quite early on because actually if you try and leave your break a bit too late, you probably won't get there. No. Yeah, and if possible, particularly my F1 year, you would tend to work with one other F1 mm. on your medical night shifts. So we would try and go around the wards together or we mm. would try and split up the jobs like more equally and just keep in touch with each other. Because yeah. actually nights can be quite lonely. Yeah. So I always try and make a point of just figuring out at the beginning how we're going to separate and how yeah. we're going to do jobs together. Oh, yeah, I think I'll absolutely agree with you on that. I think one thing that I found hard about nights was the loneliness, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the daytime, you're not seeing anybody because you're all your you know housemates or your, whoever is generally at work. And then maybe you get a few hours with them before, you know, mm-hmm. when they come back from work and before yeah. you go out to work. And so, and then at work, like, you know, because it's the night shift, you're not actually seeing many people. Yeah, it's really weird. So that it can be hard. So I think it is nice to definitely, like, if you can with your team. And mm. I think often, you know, the registrars tend to try and coordinate this, which is really nice of them. Yeah, they To be to like, okay, at midnight or one o'clock, we're all going to get together for a team break. And it's just nice to get together and get to know your, like, get to know different people, yeah, get to know do. colleagues, you and do. you just hang out, which is mm-hmm. nice. And so we, let's say we've now finished the night and then you're going home. Do mm. you have anything that you do? So on the first night, obviously, I think I'm lucky in that I sleep really easily and yeah. I can sleep with the like with the sunlight, so it doesn't bother me. I know quite a few people it does affect them. So in that case, I think it is important to make sure mm. you're getting maybe like a good sleep mask yeah. or whatever you need to do to try and white noise machines, whatever you need to do, like yeah. maintain your sleep hygiene. And I know a lot of people who even drive home after their shift, they will like use sunglasses as well yeah. on their way home just to kind of like get themselves in the mood to sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. because um, yeah, I found it really easy to just get home conk out and I generally get home and sleep rather than stay up Mm -hmm. so I get home and sleep and then I'll wake up maybe like a few hours before my shift so I'll maybe wake up at like five o'clock six o'clock yeah yeah have a few hours before I go in which I I quite like yeah I do it either one of two ways I either go straight to sleep I go straight to sleep when I go home yeah um actually I always eat before when as soon as I get go home but I would either go straight to sleep after I've gone home or I will stay up till about 12, 1 o'clock and then go to I sleep see. then. And usually if I'm staying up to that time, it's probably because I've gone to like a, yo- a yoga class yeah. um, or a gym class, something quite like light I will yeah. do. And then I'll go to sleep. But I know yeah. that doesn't really work for many people. Yeah. I mean, I like to wake up a bit earlier so that I can just have some time with whoever's come home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just so I can see some human beings. No, definitely. It gets super duper lonely. Yeah. But I think that kind of wraps up the questions that we had to ask. Yeah. Should we go through the little letters slash notes we had for each other? Yes. So do you want to start 
yours off? Yeah, so I thought, let's do a little dear diary, but like yeah. a quick note on what we would now tell ourselves. Yeah. Um, so I will quickly skip through mine, yeah? Okay. So I wrote, dearest Emily, <laughs> ask your seniors for help early on and ask for clarification during the ward round. Your job will be easier and less stressful the more you are open about the gaps in your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Also, give the same energy to exceptional reporting and updating your portfolio slash doing competencies as you would do staying late at work. Tell him, Amelie. Mm-hmm. And you go. Okay. Um, so you've touched on some of the things that I wanted to say. Um, so I've, give me yours. Okay, so I've said to myself, read up more on cases that you see, which I think... I always, I always think to myself mm. um, when I do more now. Remember, you are in a training job. You should be learning. If you're not being taught, think about bringing it up with your consultant. Because mm-hmm. I think back to some times where I could have learned more and I should have asked for it if it's not being given. Um, know what your job is and what's expected of you. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. You can't be in two places at once. Ask for help and utilise your colleagues. And the last thing is, always do the best job you can. If something crosses your mind, you should probably do it or just consider why it crossed your mind. Good, good. I think that was really nice to end on. Yeah, it was an interesting episode, isn't it? It was, it was. And I think we'll probably just come in under an hour on this episode. Yeah. So we could go on for And I feel like that easily could have been like a three-hour episode. (laughs) So thank you for listening, everyone. It was a joy to do that episode, and thank you for contributing. It's really helpful to us. Please continue to give us feedback um, and continue to ask questions. If you have any dilemmas or anything, just message us. Yeah. And you know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe, follow our Instagram, <laughs> follow our Facebook, and maybe a soon-to-be Twitter, but we'll, that's in the pipeline. Exactly. So, thank you for listening. Thank you, and good As luck. always, five-star review, please. Yeah. And all the best in F1. I think you would have started by the time we release this episode. Yeah. And, yeah. Or at least they'll be in their induction week, but good luck to all the F1s. Hope you can take on all our nuggets of information, and just enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy ask questions, have a great year. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Today's episode was recorded at Mare Street Market. Catch us over on www.afterthelettersdotcom or forward slash afterthelettersdotcom on every social media network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.